Together, we're going to find our way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. Now, last week, Taking a Chance on Love, Season 1, Episode 5, was a cute, you know, it was a cute, fun episode. This one looks like it's going to be pretty serious. I'm talking about Season 1, Episode 6, entitled Evelyn Returns, which aired on October 30th, 1982. Evelyn, Edward's ex-wife and Ricky's mother, shows up and wants to take Ricky back to live with her in London. Leonard tells Edward that he could fight for custody, but warns him that a legal battle could get to Ricky. This episode has a 6.9 out of 10 rating on IMDb. Based on 22 ratings. This episode was directed by Jack Shea, which I believe most seem to be. And writers David W. Ducklin, the creator, and seven other people. Oh, there's connections in here. Oh, here we go. King Kong, okay. Ricky and Edward sit down to watch the movie. Pinocchio, mentioned by Ricky after Evelyn gives him a gift of later hosen. Okay. Star Wars episode... Dang it, I can't read Roman numerals. A New Hope. Is it five? Edward mentions Luke Skywalker. Oh! We get an E.T. reference, which is cool because E.T. came out the same year as the show. Edward mentions that he saw the movie with Ricky and got him a t-shirt. Aww. That's cute. So, as always, before I start the talking about the episode and going through that... I like to let you guys know if you're new to the podcast how you can connect with the podcast. There are a couple different ways. You can go to Instagram and you can follow along at Silver Spoons Podcast. You can go to Facebook and go to the Together We're Going to Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons Podcast Facebook page. You can even email the podcast at silverspoonspodcast at gmail.com. But uh, I also want to give a shout out. I got a new like on the Silver Spoons Podcast Facebook page. And I want to give a shout out to Adam Christopher Paul, who liked the Silver Spoons Podcast Facebook page. Hello, Adam Christopher Paul. Thank you for liking the page. I hope you're enjoying the episodes, being that we're just pretty much getting started in Season 1. So, follow along. It's a shame that this isn't currently, like, the first season isn't airing on um, Amazon Prime or something, so you guys could actually, you know, watch along. I think... Amazon's got the first season of the show for, I thought it was like 
7 or $9, which for 22 episodes, that is a steal. That is a great, great deal. If you have been listening to the show or you also listen to Punky Brewster, the podcast, Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast, you can go to iTunes and leave a nice, kind-hearted review. Every review that the podcast gets, you know, whether you're listening to the Punky Power episodes or you're listening to Silver Spoons now, you know, leave a review and, and that way it'll get the podcast out there and more people will notice it. So, all right, guys, without further ado, let's jump right into this episode. So we come out of the intro, and at first I thought, is Ricky blowing up a balloon? No, he's blowing air into a whoopee cushion. Oh my gosh. This looks like a different miniature, I wouldn't even call it a coffee table, because it's so small. And it's kind of like oblong-ish, with like a gold rim around it, and of course like glass set in the middle of it, so, I mean, there's nothing on it, but it seems like there's always, like, a different coffee table, but that couch, they actually have, um, a blanket kind of over, um, where you sit down at, which is probably, I mean, because leather, as nice as it probably looks, has got to be uncomfortable to sit on. They must have gotten that couch, if that's what you want to call it, or is it like one of those chase lounges where it's got, like, the arm, and then it's got a little bit of the back, but then the rest of it is just, like, there's no, like, there's only part of the back of it, and not the full back, but they must have gotten that chair at the same company, because they both have the big, um, pockmarked holes in the material. But I bet Ricky's gonna play a, uh, joke on his dad with that whoopee cushion, because he's calling to his dad. Oh, they're gonna watch King Kong! Okay, so he, uh, Ricky actually puts that down on his dad's seat. Remember back in the days when if something was coming on TV, you kind of had to plan your day around it a little bit? Like, I gotta be home at this time to watch this movie that's coming on. And it's not like you could, like, get up to the bathroom and come back and you wouldn't miss anything. It's, you can't pause life. You couldn't pause live TV back then because, well, it just didn't exist. <laughs> so, yeah, if you missed something, it's like, that's why they got those commercial breaks. And commercials... I don't think commercials were nearly as long as they are in today's world on TV today. Commercials nowadays are like, what, five minutes at a stretch? I'm going to play this clip of Ricky playing this joke on his dad. I kind of wonder if if Edward's just kind of going to kind of roll with it. Because, I mean, he's, he's, he's a funny guy and everything. You know, he might accept a joke, but... Would putting a whoopee cushion under a blanket and having your dad sit on it, would that be too far? I don't know. We'll find out together. Cute. That's very cute. 
sits down and the whoopee cushion goes off, he must sit on it directly and it just pushes all the air out. Because that was a quick <laughs> and one and done, basically. And Edward kind of looks at him because Ricky's like, hey, gotcha! He's pointing his finger in his dad's face. And I see that Ricky still got that ID bracelet. And Edward's just like, yeah, yeah, you got me. All right, But of course, you know, this means war. So Edward takes the little bowl of popcorn that he's got and goes into his office like, are you going to put pepper on that or something? But the, um, the doorbell rings as Ricky is going to inflate the whoopee cushion again. Like, buddy, please. Once was cute and all, but if you keep doing it, that's going to get annoying. Like, you gotta come up with something new. the door opener, which he kind of hits the button from the couch, but then he's got to walk at least another five feet, actually. Like, you have to be within maybe two to five feet of that door to be able to operate that little door opener thing. And, of course, the door opens. It's his mother, and Ricky's shocked. He's like, Mom! But, I mean, he's happy, too. And, of course, she calls him Richard. She doesn't call him Ricky. She doesn't call him Rick. She calls him by his formal name. And, of course, Evelyn is very la-di-da. She's very formal. She hugs him. She kisses him on both cheeks. I notice she's got um, the hand glo- the gloves, you know, that the elegant people wear. Elegant people. Elegant people, fancy people, you know the type. And she says how much she's missed him, and he's like, oh, I, I've missed you too. And it's almost like, I missed, it's almost like I missed you too, but he's still got to be irritated by the fact that she dumped him in a military school. And he's like, oh, you got my letter. And she's like, yes, I certainly did. And when I found out you ran away from military school, I shrieked, like, for heaven's sakes, he went to his father. It's not like he ran away and joined a, a gang of ruffians. 
or, uh, you know, Oliver Twist type characters, but, uh, oh, he did write that he went to live with his father. Okay. So that's why she kind of shrieked and got upset. And he's kind of defending him. Like, my, this, dad is a great guy. He's not, what did she call him? A Nerf ball on legs or something? Ugh, okay. And we do get a Toys R Us reference here where she's like, who decorated this place? Someone from Toys R Us? R.I.P. Toys R Us. Although I did read something, I don't really know if it's 100% true whether Toys R Us could be coming back, but I don't really know if it is. And she mentions how uh, people in Switzerland don't shriek. And Ricky makes a joke of, like, no, the yodel. And she's like, oh, how I missed that sarcastic sense of humor. It's like, yeah, sarcastic senses of humor are the best, aren't they? But, of course, it's kind of a dig at his father. Like, oh, I can't imagine where you got that. It's like, um, he was sarcastic before he met. Even when he first met Edward, he had that, yeah. He's a kid. He's a preteen. And Ricky, you know, he even says he does take his mother's feelings into consideration. He says, Mom, I didn't mean to hurt you. And she says, oh, no, I know you didn't. And she kind of asks him, like, how did your father find you? And Ricky's like, well, he didn't, Mom. I found him. I looked at it, well, how did you find your dad? <laughs> did you look him up in the phone? He might have looked him up in the phone book. I mean, it's not like he hired a private investigator. And Ricky even adds, like, he's a real down-to-earth guy. And then, of course, Edward comes out of his office dressed like King Kong. He comes out in a monkey suit. Kind of, like, proving, uh, disproving Ricky's theory. Like, oh, he's a real down-to-earth guy. Like, so this is how he was going to get Ricky back with that little whoopee cushion prank? That monkey mask looks really creepy because it's got blood red eyes and teeth and it looks like Joel Higgins who plays Edward. He's basically barefoot in that costume because you can see his feet, his bare feet sticking out. Because he comes out, he's jumping on the the couch and then he goes from the couch to the desk and it's like, oh my goodness. Where's Kate? So Kate must be at home then. Because this is usually movies at night come on probably about 8 o'clock at night. Like, hey, have you seen my dad? Can you tell him that his ex-wife is here? Yeah, that is, yeah. And of course, <laughs> the moment that Edward like stops goofing around and like sees that Evelyn is there, he like is like in shock. So <laughs> Edward like runs off to his office, and Kate is actually in the office working on a computer. Like, oh, she's still there. Okay. I thought she, like, went home or something. Because we see Edward go in there, and he's like, Kate, my ex-wife is here. And she's like, Evelyn? And he's like, yeah. Well, we know this isn't going to end well. <laughs> Yikes. Kate, my ex-wife is here. Kate, 
My ex-wife's out there. Evelyn? That's one of the things I used to call her, yeah. <laughs> Don't see what she looks like. Never mind what she looks like. Here, help me unzip this. She's not a bad-looking woman. Are you kidding? She's gorgeous. <laughs> well, in a cold sort of way. <laughs> I've dreaded this day, Kate. I'm sure Evelyn's here to take Ricky back. Somehow, some way, I've got to convince her to let him stay. Well, if anybody can do it, you can. You're right. I'm going to be nice and charming. I'm going to go out there. I'm just going to explain to Evelyn the situation, and I'm going to convince her that Ricky belongs with me. That'll work. Go on, Kate. You know perfectly well she's never going to let me keep him. <laughs> Take it easy, Edward. You're right. You're right. I gotta. I gotta be cool. I gotta be calm. I gotta be rational. Get in the grill suit. What? A couple of seconds ago, Evelyn saw a gorilla out there. I don't know why, but she assumed it was me. <laughs> now she thinks I'm a flake. But if I go out there now, and in a couple of minutes you come out dressed in the gorilla suit, she'll think you're the flake. <laughs> come on, Kate, please. You're the only one that can help me out on this. Edward, I will wear that thing. Oh, great. But I'm only doing it because I care about you and... I care about Ricky. But once I get into this gorilla suit, I'm conducting myself like a lady. <laughs> so as you heard in their clip, Edward is really freaked out. He knows why Evelyn's here. She's here to take Ricky back with her. And of course, he just went out there in a gorilla suit, and he's thinking, well, she's definitely not going to let me keep him here with me, because she sees just, you know, that I'm a, a big goofball, and I don't take anything seriously. So, of course, Kate tells Edward, yes, I will get in this gorilla suit, but only because I care about you and I care about Ricky. So, at if you heard, you know, he's like, well, if Kate, if you get in the suit and I just walk out there, then she'll know that it wasn't me in the suit. So. And I like how <laughs> Kate is like, oh my gosh, I gotta see what she looks like. And of course, she looks. And she's like, oh, wow, she's really pretty. And Edward's like, are you kidding? Yeah, she's gorgeous. And Kate's like, well, um, yeah, if you're into the cold and frigid, t I mean, in a cold and frigid type of way, sure. But back in the living room, Evelyn's got a gift for Ricky from Switzerland. Honestly, and I'll play the clip, this gift looks like it's more for her enjoyment than for Ricky's. It's a little Lederhosen thing, but Ricky is 12 years old. This thing looks like It'd be something, like, a four-year-old would wear. Did you shop in the child section? He's a almost a teenager. Yeah, Ricky's like, it's not impressed. It's like, what? what is this? I'm supposed to wear this? This has got to be where that joke about Pinocchio comes in. I brought you a present from Switzerland. You'll <laughs> love it. Later, hose. Later for the hose and mom. <laughs> 
So that was a cute, I love that, um, how Ricky turned that into something funny. No, he's not wearing it. She, she's like, oh, go put it on. He's like, yeah, now that I have this, then what's Pinocchio wearing? Like, it's just, bring, why didn't you bring him back some Swiss chocolate? That would have been more enjoyable. Bring him back a hat. Bring him back a mug or a t-shirt from Switzerland. But Lederhosen? Is he wearing that for the next Halloween? Lady, think. He's not a little doll that you can just dress up. He's not a chihuahua that you just throw some clothes on and take pictures of. But Edward comes out in what looks like, it's a blue robe that almost looks like one of those Hugh Hefner smoking jackets. And of course, she turns around and looks at him. Oh, and he does have the pipe. Okay, so it completes the look with the pipe. And she looks at him almost like semi-impressed, like, hmm, really? Like, don't get any ideas. <laughs> up their honeymoon and says, hey, I guess our honeymoon was a, wasn't a was a total loss, huh? I mean, we got a terrific boy here. And he starts uh, naming, you know, Ricky's qualities. Like, oh, what do you think? I think he's got my smile. Don't you? And she's like, no. It looks like mine. Yeah, what about his, uh, his eyes? And she's like, mine too. And he's like, he's male. And she's like, yeah, alright, I'll give you that. Like, <laughs> like come on now. <laughs> Well, I'll say that sarcastic wit of his definitely comes from Edward. Oh, here we go. Here comes Kate out of the office, and she's got a manila folder with her. She's dressed up in the gorilla suit. How much you want to bet she probably ends up taking the gorilla suit off, or at least the head off at one point? Because we know that, com that part comes off because he pulled that off. Sunday. 
Have you ever seen a gorilla walk upright on two feet with such flair? You can tell, definitely, if you didn't know, that it's a woman in that suit because she walks like a you know, as she does. Edward introduces her to Evelyn, and they shake hands, and Edward kind of says that, hey, um, kids at the orphanage are going to love this outfit. And as she gets ready, she puts her hat on and takes her purse. And then as she's getting ready to walk out the door, Edward says, Oh, don't forget to remind me about uh, Sunday, the father-son pancake breakfast. So. <laughs> so, I'm kind of wondering, is Kate coming back for this episode? Because we know, like, last week's episode, she was pretty much in and out. In under like five minutes because she went on that cruise but hopefully she'll be back for this episode or not just for this scene but for longer I gotta say this blue robe really suits Edward I mean he's got blue jeans he's got a, um like a blue silk scarf I guess that kind of goes with the robe I think I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, Hugh Hefner's dead and everything. But anyway, I'm just thinking that silk part kind of goes with the robe itself. So Edward uh, kind of says as Kate Lee is like, yeah, she's a gem. She's great. And that's where Evelyn just cuts to the chase. Like, hey, Edward, how about you and I have a private chat in your office? Yeah, she wants to get down to probably clearly uh, custody issues with now that I'm back he's coming with me and you're not going to see him anymore kind of thing because right now she's got custody of him because like I said Edward did not know he existed until the rookie just showed up at his door it's been such a long time why don't you and I have a private chat hey that's a great idea you guys can have a few laughs, toss around some remember whens. Okay. okay. See you later. Good night, Rick. Bye. Sleep well here. <laughs> and son, don't forget to brush your teeth, wash behind your ears, all those other fatherly things I'm always telling you to do. <laughs> Sweet dreams. So, Ricky heads upstairs to go to bed because, you know, it's late. And as soon as he's out of earshot, Evelyn jumps into Edward and is like, How dare you steal my son? And I knew, uh, yeah, Edward is not going to take this lying down. He's like, You want to talk how dare yous? How about how dare you not tell me I had a son? You go and have my son and not tell me for 12 years. And I, I'm all like, help! Yes, yes. You need to stick that to her, Edward, because she is not within her right here. But yeah, I knew that this was going to get heated. I just knew that. And the fact that she's like, how dare you steal my son? I'm like, oh, you, no, lady, no. So I'm playing this clip, guys. You hear this, and you 
of course, I'm sure, definitely gonna side with with Edward on this. How dare you steal my son? <laughs> you wanna talk how dare you's? I'll give you how dare you. How dare you have my son and for 12 years never tell me? He was too young to be that disappointed. That was a low blow, Evelyn. <laughs> You're right. It was. You know, I haven't forgotten. There was a time when I was wildly and madly in love with you. And I felt the same way about you. You were charming and romantic, adventurous. You had great buns. <laughs> Head? <laughs> Our marriage was really something, wasn't it? Yeah. Six unforgettable days. <laughs> I really wanted the marriage to work, Edward. But by Thursday, I realized... <laughs> we were just socially incompatible. All because I didn't want to interrupt our honeymoon to go to a luncheon with Charles de Gaulle. Everybody who was anybody was there. There were 800 anybody's there. <laughs> Probably couldn't even see de Gaulle without a pair of binoculars. And you preferred to go on a balloon. I could probably see De Gaulle better than you could. <laughs> so once they got that out of their system, kind of simmered down for a minute, and they both sit on the couch, and they are kind of reminiscing about their six-day-long marriage and how the reason that she didn't want to stay married to him was because he was, what, socially inept as far as he wasn't into the things that she was into. She wanted to go listen to some guy speak, some supposed important guy speak, and Edward wanted to go on a balloon ride, which, yeah, you go on a balloon ride. What's so great about this guy that she wants to hear speak? She's all like, anybody who was anybody was there, and Edward's like, yeah, there are 800 anybody's there listening to this guy speak. You couldn't even see this 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 man here. You had to use binoculars. And uh, of course she does mention about how Edward had a really nice like, looking butt back in the day. And he's like, what do you mean it used to? <laughs> that was cute. Yeah. And she even also said how Edward used to be so, he was so romantic and everything like that. And it's like, yeah, but that can only honestly take you so far. If you're not compatible, like, they both clearly have money. But that, even that only gets you so far. And clearly, they were both just swept up in the moment, and in a rush, they got married, and then she, she was the one who realized. Like, oh, this isn't going to work because he's not a social climber like I am. 
So she kind of gets up off the couch and kind of wanders over to the desk. And he even says flat out, I was never interested in social climbing. I was just interested in enjoying my life. And basically, that's what I'm doing right now. It's, yeah, it's, a, you know, in not so many words, you know, him being a father for this first time and being able to enjoy his time with his son. I don't get... And Edward, you know, he's saying how he enjoys having his son here with him. She basically just says, well, I'm sorry, but you're not going to have your son here much longer. Why? Why do you want him? You're constantly going on trips and everything. You can't take a 12-year-old boy around with you when you just want to pick up and go to Switzerland or go to Africa or go to Germany or... or well, apparently she wants to take him and... She's living in London now? What kind of stability is that for a kid? A judge is going to see that and say, Lady, he's not a shirt that you can just, or a sweater or whatever that you can just pick up off the floor and throw on whenever you feel like it. He's a human being. He's a child with feelings. Evelyn's got to be one of those people, you know, that was not a planned pregnancy. Not at all. I mean, the marriage wasn't even a real planned marriage. It only lasted six days. And they probably got married on the cruise ship that they were on or whatever. Did they get married? Were they? They were on, a, on their honeymoon on a cruise, right? But she's all about the finer things and traveling. You can't do that with a kid all the time. I was never into social climbing. All I ever wanted is to enjoy my life. And what I'm enjoying most right now is having my son here with me. Well, I'm sorry. Because he's not going to be here with you any longer. When I leave tonight, he goes with me. Why? Because you're a bad influence on Ricky. Look around this room. I will not have my son raised by Bozo the Clown. <laughs> I am not Bozo the Clown. <laughs> Please, get his things together and we'll leave. Evelyn, Ricky is not leaving. I don't have time to argue. I have a plane to catch. And I want Ricky to come along. I am his mother. He belongs with me. And I am his father, and I have just as much right to him as you. Look, Edward, I don't want to do this, but I won't hesitate to get a court order. Fine, you get a court order, and I'll get mine. Fine. Fine. Hey, how's everything going? Fine. <laughs> so, she says that Edward's a bad influence. Like, oh, I don't want my son raised by Bozo the Clown. It's like, lady, what the heck is wrong with you? And then she's like, I don't have time to argue. I got a plane to catch, so get Ricky to get his things together. Do you have a passport for him? You are going to London. You're going into another country. Did you plan for that? And she hasn't even talked it over with Ricky. You don't think that's going to be a shock? Son, your mom wants you to pack your things so you can go to London with her. He's not, not going to sit well with him. 
And Evelyn even threatens, like, I'll get a court order if I have to. I'm his mother. He belongs with me. And Edward's like, fine, you get your court order. I'll get one, too. And they're like, fine, fine. And then, of course, Ricky comes down. He's not in his pajamas. He's still wearing, you know, his uh, sweater vest. And he's like, hey, how are things going? And uh, Edward and Evelyn are all like, fine. And so they walk away. And we see Ricky kind of like, okay, this isn't good. I'm surprised he wasn't hanging out on the steps the whole time listening to all of that. Because if he had been, at one point, he probably would have come down and were like, hey, don't I get a say in this? Because he's, he's 12. He's not six years old. He's almost a teenager. He would have to have some sort of a say. Alright, so now we see Leonard again. We haven't seen him since the second episode. And Edward is kind of saying, hey, you're my attorney. What are my rights here for having custody of Ricky? Because I still say the fact that she did not even let Edward know that he had a son. Not to mention, what did she put on the birth certificate? Because you would have to list the father's name. Otherwise, you're just putting unknown. Oh, I don't know who the father is. If she'd done that, then what claim would he have other than, well, then do a DNA test, do a blood test, and you'll show that we share the same DNA, he and I. So, Edward says, all right, Leonard, give it to me straight here. What are my chances of getting custody of Ricky? And Leonard just says, point blank, it's like, if you want custody of your son, you're going to have to prove that Evelyn is an unfit mother. And back in the 80s, didn't a lot of the times, regardless of the situation, that the judge usually always sides with the mother? So, even if he went to court and everything, the judge sides with the mother, then it would be up to Evelyn's discretion to finally say, alright, I see that you guys have a loving relationship, and this would really hurt Ricky if I took him away. I'll let him stay here with you. So that would be up to her to decide, wouldn't it? I don't know all about this um, divorce stuff. You know, I was... When my dad had uh, divorced my mom, I was about probably eight or nine. Because I was living at uh, my aunt and uncle's house from the time that I was seven. And then the summer that I turned nine, I would have been going into the third grade that fall. I would have already moved back home with my dad and my sister. So that was really, that was really hard because I'd stay at my aunt and uncle's Monday through Friday or I'd be picked up by my dad Saturday I'd come back Sunday night and yeah this went on for pretty much all of first grade all of second grade so I remember um on Saturdays sometimes when my dad would come and get me how sad I'd be like because you know, my aunt and her kids, they'd be doing something fun, and my dad would, like, be taking me to get, you know, groceries or this or that. I remember one time, um, dad was like, oh, we'll go for a walk in the woods and everything. My cousins were going to the movies, and I'm like, no, I want to go to the movies with them. I guess we were going to see, I thought it was the Jungle Book, but we ended up seeing, uh, the Jetsons movie, and it's just like... No, it's like I wanted to do something fun. I didn't go want to go walking in the woods, but 
just it was just it would always make me want to cry and i probably did because you know they'd be talking about all the fun things that they were gonna do and i was gonna stay home and watch movies i've seen a thousand times over but i'm gonna play this clip with edward and leonard and it's just this is going to be a legal battle if it even goes to court, which I can't remember if it even does. It might not. Because as we know with sitcoms, usually these matters get solved in half an hour, and this isn't a two-parter either. Leonard, you're my attorney. Just give it to me straight. What are my chances of getting custody of Ricky? Let me give you the bottom line, Edward. If you want custody of Ricky, you're going to have to prove Evelyn's unfit. Of course, she'll try to prove you're unfit. I can handle that. Oh? Let me give you an idea of what you'd be in for. You're on the stand, and I'm Evelyn's lawyer, okay? Okay, good. Now, Mr. Stratton, do you think a child should attend school? Certainly. Then why did you take Ricky out of school a couple of weeks ago to attend a frog-jumping competition? <laughs> well, Ricky raised Oscar from a tadpole. And you felt that was sufficient reason? We had ten bucks riding on him. Aha, <laughs> uh -huh, so you were gambling. Oh, come on, Leonard. You were there, too. You were holding the bag of flies. <laughs> You're wrong. Mr. Stratton, I have in my hand a long list of women you've been seen with since your divorce. Well, I've been divorced for 12 years. Man gets lonely. Your Honor, cast your eyes upon this wretch. I submit he does not have the right to be within a hundred miles of this child. I think I speak for the entire courtroom when I say, you, sir, make me sick. <laughs> That's it, Leonard, you're fired. Sorry, Edward. So, Leonard pretty much walks Edward, uh, walks Edward through how it will be if I get you on the stand, pretend I'm Evelyn's lawyer, and then he goes in to say that... Is it true that you pulled Ricky out of school so that way you guys could go see a frog jumping competition? And Edward's like, oh yeah, well, Ricky raised him from a tadpole and 
He's saying how, oh, well, you were there, Leonard. You're the one holding the flies. And, of course, he's saying that um, Edward was gambling. There's ten bucks riding on this. It's like, yeah, oh, boy. Um, I'm happy that at least Leonard is going through this scenario to show Edward what you're saying here is not going to work in your favor. And the fact that he's like, oh, since you've been divorced, you've had a long line of women... Who? What? And, and and Edward's like, well, I've been divorced for 12 years. Have you seen any woman other than Kate who works there going through those? It's. I mean, he's not Jesse Katsopoulos before he got with um, Rebecca Donaldson and Full House. Yeah, he's not like that. He's not a womanizer. But my gosh. And, of course, Leonard, as Evelyn's lawyer, in his mind, this scenario is like, Oh, wow, Judge, I don't think, Your Honor, I don't think that this man is fit to raise this boy. And he shouldn't be within a hundred feet of him and everything. Edward gets so worked up. He's like, that's it, Leonard, you're fired, and this and that. And, and Leonard's like, hey, look, I'm just trying to give you a picture of what this could be like. Because her lawyer is going to completely fillet you. If he gets you on the stand. And maybe he's not going to ask those particular questions, but... Basically, yeah, Evelyn's probably going to want to make it seem like Edward is not a fit, capable human being to raise a 12-year-old boy. But then again, I can imagine that Edward's lawyer is going to start saying, Well, I don't think you're fit to raise Ricky because you're constantly gone however many times out of the year, constantly going on trips and everything like that. That is not a stable environment for a child. And Edward just kind of sits on the, the bottom step of the stairs. Those are some nice uh, carpeted stairs, by the way. Um, And he looks at Leonard and he's like, I just don't feel like my life had purpose until that boy walked through that door. And I just... For the first time, I felt like someone actually needed me. And Edward is like, I think he's like close to tears. It's like, this boy means so much. This is his son. And he means so much to him. And everything. And Leonard just kind of, you know, puts his arm around Edward's shoulder. Kind of squeezes his shoulder and says, I'm, I'm sorry, Edward. And he leaves. And Edward's just, you know, got his head in his hands. And just... And then that's where Ricky comes down. Ricky must have heard all of this going on so he must have been made aware that's why they say like custody battles and divorce is never especially if you're getting divorced and you have kids involved think of the child how that's gonna be so hard for them that they have to they don't even get a say in who what parent they get to stay with and how often they get to see their other parent Go live with her. 
thing is I want to stay here with you. Thanks. That means a lot to me. And I want you to live here with me too, more than anything in the world. See, the thing is, you can't stay. But why not? Well, your, your mom's getting a legal paper. See, it's called a court order, and that means that she can take you with her. Well, couldn't you fight it in court? Yeah. But here's what would happen. My lawyer would say a lot of mean things about your mom. And her lawyer would say a lot of mean things about me. I don't want that. Neither do I. <laughs> so see, I, I think it's better that you just go with her. I'll miss you, Dad. Listen, now, we're going to see each other, you know. We're going to have Thanksgiving and Christmas and Washington's birthday and Lincoln's birthday, Luke Skywalker's birthday. <laughs> All the big holidays. Rick, I'm still your dad. If you ever need me, I'll be there. Promise? So Ricky comes down. He's wearing the same sweater, but this has got to be the same night, because everyone's wearing like this. I mean, I don't even know what time at evening this is supposed to be. Because she said, "I'll be back later to pick him up to catch a plane, uh, a flight to London." Well, she doesn't even say London, though, does she? I can't remember. And Ricky comes down and he kind of puts his hand on his dad's shoulder and that kind of startles Edward because he didn't even hear Ricky coming down. He's like, oh, hey, Ricky. Um, and Ricky's like, dad, are you okay? And Edward, Edward plays off like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. It's, everything's great. And, of course, Ricky can see right through that, um, but Edward does kind of sit him down and says, Hey, um, your mom's going to be here soon. She's going to take you to live with her. And Ricky's like, I don't want to go with her. I want to stay with you. And Edward, oh my God, God this scene is so, <laughs> this is so sad. And Edward's like, yes. I want you to stay here with me too, but unfortunately, I mean, your mom has a court order, so she has every right to take you with her. And, and uh, Ricky's like, well, can't you fight it? And Edward's like, yeah, I mean, I could. We could go to court. You know, my judge, my uh, lawyer would say a lot of mean things about your mom, and her lawyer would do the same to me. And it could get really, really bad. And... Edward just kind of decides, you know, he kind of folds. He says, I, I just think it would be best if you go with your mom, and that way we can avoid all of this stuff. 
And he says, you know, we'll be together, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and, you know, Washington's birthday, Lincoln's birthday, Luke Skywalker's birthday. And, uh, God, this is just, this is sad. I mean, Ricky's got tears in his eyes, and Edward is all choked up, and this is just breaking my heart. And then we hear the doorbell, so it's clear that it's got to be Evelyn. I don't know. Do we even see Kate for the rest of the episode? I don't think we do. So Evelyn comes back and she's still wearing the same clothes that she was wearing when she left. So she doesn't look like she's ready to go to London or catch a flight. So let's find out what's going on here. Maybe she's changed her mind. Evelyn. You got your court order already, huh? Leave it to you to find a 24-hour judge. <laughs> no, I, I didn't get the court order. I thought about it. For Ricky's sake, I'd like us to work this out amicably. I'd like that, too. Rick, why don't you excuse your mom and me for a minute, okay? Sure. Evelyn... Rick and I had a talk, and we decided that he's going to go and live with you. Oh, well, that's marvelous. I only have one condition. I don't want you ever putting my son in any kind of a boarding school again. Agreed. <laughs> if we hurry, Ricky and I can make the midnight flight to London. Rick, I'm going to go get your stuff. Just put in a few things. I'll send for the rest. So, Edward tells Evelyn that I talked with Ricky and we both feel, you know, I feel it's best that he should stay with you. And, of course, she's like, oh, good. If we hurry, Ricky and I can catch the midnight flight to London. How long does it take to get to London from New York? I mean, that's gotta be, like, hours upon hours. We'd probably be sleeping on that flight. And, you know, this is an 82, so it's not like they gotta go through all this security and take your shoes off and go through the metal detector and all that stuff and be patted down. Usually, I think it was pretty simple. I mean, you're like, oh, I gotta make the such and such flight at this time, and... Nowadays, like, you're not making that flight. You gotta go through all of that baggage check, then security, and then all, you know, um, all that stuff. And Edward does bring up, he says, I'll let him, you know, he'll go with you on one condition. Don't you ever put my son in a boarding school again. And she's like, yes, okay. He's like, yeah, don't just think you're gonna take him and then go off on your next adventure and leave him in a boarding school in London. I'm happy that they weren't, that they decided not to do the court thing because that would have gotten really, really ugly and they would have dragged that out for at least a couple episodes probably. So Edward tells Rick like, hey, I'm going to go upstairs and pack your stuff. And Evelyn says, just pack the essentials. You know, I, I can send for the rest of it later. 
and Rick or Edward goes upstairs and Evelyn has a chat with Ricky who is kind of playing with the um the train the bell on it and everything and he's saying how you know he's really going to miss this place and Evelyn tells him that uh wait you see our place in London and Ricky's like well People are always, you know, there's always so many accidents in London, people driving on the wrong side of the road, and she's like, oh, there it is again, that sarcastic wit of yours. And he's just like, I want to stay here with Dad. He needs me. Uh, Oh my god, you'll hear in the clip that I'm I'm sniffling along with it, because it's just so sad, but I'm going to play this clip. Darling, wait till you see our new house in London. <laughs> I don't want to go to London. Besides, do you know how many traffic accidents there are in London? People are always driving on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> there it is again, that sweet little sarcastic sense of humor. Mom, what if I told you I want to stay with Dad? Honey, that's all settled. So Edward comes down with Ricky's uh, suitcase, and he's got a couple things there. Um, he's like, I uh, packed only one purple sock because we made a sock puppet out of your uh, other one. And he asked if he can keep the E.T. shirt because, you know, they went and saw the movie and uh, Edward cried all over his shirt. <laughs> oh. And Ricky's like, yeah, Dad, you can you can keep it. And Edward does kind of put this the sock puppet on his hand and kind of talks to Evelyn through it. And he's like, oh, no. Not the time to make jokes. It's just really sad. And they do this... How does he say? The woodcutters? The woodman's handshake where they, like, stick their thumbs up and Edward grabs Ricky's thumb and then so on and so forth. And they kind of pull back and forth almost like you're pulling on a, um... One of those long log saws kind of like that it's really cute I like that and they hug each other and you'll hear in the clip I'm just barely holding it together oh he also has his baseball glove there okay and what also really breaks my heart so much is when Ricky says so we're not gonna make the father son pancake breakfast and Edward's like no we're not but how about on Sunday, you make yourself some pancakes, and I'll have pancakes, and it'll be like we're having pancakes together. Oh my god. My heart is breaking so much for them right now. And they hug each other, and Ricky's like, I love you, Dad. And Edward's like, I love you too, son. Oh my gosh, this is just... Mm. Because at this point, it's like, yeah, he's he's leaving. He's not going to be there. But then again, if you think about it, I mean, this is like only episode six of season one. So it's like, no, no, he's got to stay there because otherwise there wouldn't be a show without him there. But I'm going to play this clip. Here we are. Back 
packed all the stuff I thought you'd need. Thanks. Hey, Rick, can I keep your ET shirt? Socks, too. Remember, we made a puppet out of the other one? <laughs> Hello, Evelyn. <laughs> you look great. <laughs> Your shoe or mine? <laughs> not now, Socky. Guess we're not going to make it to the Fossil Pancake Breakfast? No. I'll tell you what. You, you have pancakes on Sunday for breakfast, and I'll have pancakes on Sunday for breakfast, and we'll just think about each other, okay? Okay. Okay. Dad, try and eat at least one green vegetable a day? <laughs> Handshake. Oh my god. I'm crying so hard right now. Oh. Oh. So um Ricky also says, Can you please remember Dad to eat one green vegetable a day and, and everything like that? And Edward looks at Evelyn and says, Please take good care of my son. And she, oh, I think Evelyn is losing it at this point emotionally. It's like seeing this bond between her son and his father. And it's like, how can I break this up? And she finally, she tells Edward, like, um, Ricky and I had a talk while you were upstairs getting his things. And we decided, I think it's best that he stays with you. And just the look of relief just, that just washes over Edward's face. And Ricky, too. It's like, really? You mean it? And R Ricky just goes to his mom and is like, I love you, Mom. Like, you're giving him exactly what they want, what they need. He needs that stability. He needs that time with his dad. 
But she says, you know, I still want to see you. You're still my little man. And she kisses him on the cheek. And it's like, yeah, you know, just just come and see him once in a while. You know, get, you know, or maybe even just say, hey, you want to spend spring break with me in London? You know, stuff like that. <laughs> so I think this is so cute how Ricky grabs his mom's hand and grabs his dad's hand. And he's kind of like shake, you know, back and forth swinging. Like, hey, dad, she can come anytime, right? And he's like, yes, son. And he's like, we got plenty of room, right, Dad? And he's like, yep, yep. It's so cute. I want to play this clip. And I want to see you. <laughs> you are still my little man. <laughs> she can come anytime, can't you, Dad? Sure. We got plenty of room. Yeah. She can even say night. No. no. <laughs> Like she can stay tonight, can't she, Dan? He's like, uh, and, and Evelyn or ever and Edward are both like, uh, no, no. <laughs> so Evelyn gets ready to head out, and Edward thanks her, and they actually kiss. And she says, "You still have great buns." And he's like, "Well, you do too." <laughs> As he uses the door automatic door opener thing there, and she leaves, and she turns and waves and blows a kiss to Ricky. The door closes, and Ricky jumps into his dad's arms, and, oh, it's just so cute. The whole thing with the applause, like, at least a few times, is, like, one is kind of introducing, like, what, an act break or something? But, I don't, this is kind of clunky where they throw up the credits for a split second, in a freeze frame, and then they continue through the last couple seconds of the scene. Like, I like it better when it's just like, okay, get through the scene, then just roll the credits at the very end with a theme and everything like that, because it just is kind of confusing. It's like, okay, the credits throw, go up, you're used to, okay, there's going to be a small little scene right after this, but not too annoying, but... 
But, well, that's the episode. Guys, I'm rating this a 5 out of 5. I loved this episode. It ripped my heart in half. It glued it back together again at the very end. You heard me sniffling throughout the, <laughs> throughout the end there. Um, yeah, I just... I loved Ed, uh, seeing Edward in that monkey suit and uh, Ricky with the, uh, the whoopee cushion. And then, of course... Uh, Evelyn returns, and I love how Kate got into that monkey suit, and just, she kind of walked out there, and, uh, put her hat on. <laughs> she gonna drive home in that? <laughs> That's so funny. And Edward having to make the hardest decision to say, you know, I think you should, uh, go live with your mom, and... And, you know, the scene where they hug and he's, like, helping uh, Ricky pack the last few items. Evelyn finally relenting saying, I think you need to stay here with your dad when she has that talk with Ricky. And just the end, it's the hug and everything between Edward and Ricky at the very end when he jumps into his dad's arms. Everything about it was beautiful. As far as a silver spoonful for advice, um, I don't have children. I've never been divorced. So I don't know how things are when it comes to custody and children. All I know is, please think of the children. Especially if maybe they might, you know, send them to somebody. Have them talk their feelings out. Really listen, have someone listen. Or even... You know, a family friend or somebody, sit or even you yourself, sit down with your children, explain the situation, but listen to them and their feelings and maybe take what they want into consideration as well. Because as kids, they have, it seems like kids don't get a voice when it comes to divorce. They don't get a choice in who they get to live with. But just think of how hard that's gotta be. I mean, my dad, of course, divorced my mom because she needed, you know, someone to be able to, you know, take care of her with her, her mental state, and it wasn't healthy for my sister and I to be affected any longer by everything that was going on, and she needed more help than my father could give her. So, um, but still, I had to see somebody. I had to, you know, whether it was a school psychiatrist or whether it was, um, when I was eight, I think, um, I started seeing a, or when I started living at my aunt and uncle's, I did start seeing a uh, psychiatrist, uh, nun, one of the Franciscan nuns, and I've been seeing that person on and off since I was eight until I think maybe 16 on and off throughout the years just you know I think eventually I mean I stopped seeing her but then I kind of needed to talk to her again as I got older and I was dealing with more other issues you know teenage wise it's just I felt comfortable more comfortable talking to someone like that than really talking to my own parents but anyway just, yeah, just, just listen to your kids and see what they want and how they're feeling about this. About, you know, their parents being divorced. Because divorce affects kids in a lot of ways. It doesn't just affect the parents. But, um, 
Let's talk about uh, the fun episode. See, we got a serious episode. Now we're getting a fun episode. And we're getting, I get, I don't know, could you call this maybe a crossover episode? Because we're getting not just a well-known actor, but he's playing the same character, I believe, too. Alright, next week, Season 1, Episode 7, entitled The Great Computer Caper, which aired on November 6th, 1982. Ricky tries to impress a student reporter by hacking into a security military computer site, but the FBI closes in after the material ends up in the school newspaper. Uh... Uh, far-fetched, really. The boys decide their only way out is to hitch a ride on a tramp steamer? What? Whoa, boys! Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, this episode's got a 7.3 out of 10. Directed by Jack Shea. I think he's directed pretty much all the episodes. Oh my goodness! There is a user review on... Oh, is there... Oh, okay, there's more than one. Um... I want to read that review now because I'm scared I'm going to forget when the time comes. 10 out of 10. 80s hacker, hacker in quotes, culture silver spoon style. This episode is one of my top 10 faves from season one. It is, a no, it is known as a crossover episode in which a character from another show, in this case, Gary Coleman's character, Arnold Jackson, from J different strokes of, oh my goodness. Okay, this is a long one, guys. You know what? I'm going to save this for ne the next episode, okay? That way, um, it it'll be fresh in your minds. But, yeah, oh, yeah, uh, the rating is, uh, I forgot to say, uh, five out of five, uh, trains. That's my rating for that. I forgot to say that. I just, like, five! I'm going to all the five, all the trains. So, um, let's give a shout-out to the podcast listeners. Uh, for today... We have Amsterdam, Netherlands, but uh, here's the rest. Sun Valley, Nevada, you played a lot, either a lot of episodes or played it more than once, which is cool. Dayton, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, Cedar Park, Texas, Pretoria, South Africa, Aberdeen, United Kingdom, San Juan, Puerto Rico, Carterton, United Kingdom. Okay, I gotta bring that up to Jeremy. I think he's still on his break. Because I thought he grew, um, he had spent some time in Carterton. I'll double check. SAUK, Salk City, Wisconsin. Hexham, United Kingdom. Pomona, California. Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Willowbrook, Illinois. La Habra, California. Detroit, Michigan. San Bernardino, California. Bell. B-E-L-B-E-I-S, Egypt. Karachi, K-A-R-A-C-H-I, Pakistan. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Temple Hills, Maryland. Sydney, Australia. Lethbridge, Canada. Santo Andre, Brazil. St. Louis, Missouri. Alexandria, Virginia. Kainta, C-A-I-N-T-A, Philippines. Mountain View, California. And Inglewood, Colorado. Um, I am going to do just a quick little review on, uh, the Hocus Pocus book and the movie. It's not going to be a full separate episode because I don't have a lot to say about it other than 
and I'm probably going to get flack for this, but I don't care. I liked the the movie. I thought it was good. However, I looked. I liked the book more. The more the more. Blah, I cannot talk. <laughs> the book, of course, is in more detail. Which, of course, it's a book. It's got to be in detail, right? But there are scenes in the book that, of course, don't appear in the movie. A little bit of more background on um, Emily and Thackeray Banks from 1693 Salem, Salem, Massachusetts. Um, We got a little bit of background in 1993 with Max and a friend that we only hear about. We don't see him mentioned. We don't even see or hear him mentioned in the movie. Which is, a, uh, I forgot what the friend's name was, that I guess Max was thinking, oh, if he's got like an extra room for me to stay in if I want to move back to California, because he's not really not really having it at uh, in Salem. And everyone's craziness with the Sanderson sisters legend and, and all this witch Halloween stuff. It's not really his deal, but his little sister, Danny, who's played by Thora Birch, is way into it. The whole episode it takes place, I believe, on Halloween. The entire hour and 30 minute movie. So, um, the only little gripes I really... Uh, the Sanderson sisters, the Bette Midler with the half lipstick on her face that looks like a heart or whatever. It, I know they're all prosthetics and everything. I just, I wasn't digging that. Um, the musical number that Bette Midler has at that party with all the parents. I'm like, because I know the song, I put a spell on you. I've heard it before. It's kind of weak sauce in my mind. Um, <clears throat> Danny and Max's mother dressed up like Madonna with the cone boobs was creepy. And it's like, lady, I'm like, lady, you're a mother. Seriously? What are you doing? <laughs> Just You're like 40-something years old and you're dressing like you're 25 or 22. Ugh. <sighs> And, of course, the only other real gripe I really had was Danny's lipstick. That li- bright, bright red lipstick. Like, eh, you're eight. You don't need to be wearing lipstick. But whatever. That's a little gripe. Um, my favorite character of the movie and the book is Binks. Thackeray Binks. Binks is the cat. Loved him. Cried at the end when he died. And I loved how Danny was like, oh, before, you know, Binks died, she's like, I'll take care of you, and my kids will take care of you, and my kids' kids, and so on and so forth. And I just, I liked the book, how you get more into Max's head and everything, because the story's pretty much broken up between, and the story itself is not very long. It's maybe a couple hundred pages tops. Because it's just pretty much going through the movie. And like I said, I tried to get in the movie once before. I couldn't. Um, but I thought, let me get the book. It's on Amazon. For, it was like 8 or, excuse me, $9. And I'm like, okay, I'll get it. If I read it, it'll make me jazz for the movie. And it was. The moment I finished that book last Saturday, I'm like, okay, 
I'm going to start. It's not like nine o'clock now. Okay. I'm going to start the movie and putting the movie in because it is October. It's a Halloween movie. And while I liked it, I might watch it again next year. I don't know. I didn't love the movie. I thought it was enjoyable though. Um, I didn't like those bullies. Those bullies look like they're 25 years old. But then again, back in the day, whether they even do that now anymore, where they hire people that are like 25 that can still pass for 17. It's like you guys are clearly like 22, 25 years old. I'm not believing it, but. Um, oh, Allison, I thought she was a sweet girl. Um, I'm still working on the sequel, which doesn't have a actual title. It's just called Hocus Pocus, the book. And in the all-new sequel, which has no name. Um, but basically what I've read so far of the book, I might be halfway through it. Um, Max and Allison are married. It's like 25 years later. Max is a teacher at the school. Allison is a lawyer. We hear a little bit about Danny, but I don't think it says so far what she does for a living. Maybe they'll get into that later in the book. And the girl, they have one child, Max and Allison do. Her name is Poppy, which I don't really care for that name. I mean, if you're named Poppy, all good and well, that's beautiful. But it's just, no, no. Um, at first I thought, oh, her guy friend, like, she's got a crush on him, right? Or something. No, she actually has a crush on um, a girl named Isabel. Which, I mean, it's cool if you want to make the main character a lesbian. That's fine. I don't really have a problem with it. But, and I read a lot of, you know, LBT, GQ, you know, character books and stuff like that. I, I, I really don't have a problem with it. It's just, it feels like when people see an instance to throw a character in there for just the sake of it being a, you know, uh, LBGT, whatever character it just feels like why you're just doing it for the sake of doing it which like I said it's cool I guess um it's cute I like her little crush oh one of the bullies is the principal of the school and of course his daughter's gotta be a bully also so that's like come on seriously but uh Poppy's dad Max is actually a history teacher and this I believe also all takes place on Halloween so, and it's kind of funny because you get all the pop culture references of today, like Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, all that stuff. It's just, it, it's, it's a cool book. I like it. Um, it's just taken me a bit to get through it because, you know, I'm reading other things. I'm currently on, back on the first book of Keeper of the Lost Cities since the seventh book comes out. I didn't get to the sixth book last year when it came out because I tried to read it and all of a sudden I had forgotten the majority of what happened in the other five books. Like, who's this character? I can't remember. I'm like, I better just reread all the books. So that's what I'm going to be doing. Um, I did finish a book on my Nook, which is kind of funny because this book was around when I was a teenager and I, re I told Jeremy about it that... Mary Downing Hawn is mainly now known for, like, middle grade, um, spooky stories. And she had one YA book called The Wind Blows Backwards. It's my favorite book of all time. But there's another book she wrote that was a YA, you know, pre-Twilight, Twilight 
type book. And it was called Look For Me by Moonlight. Let me get it up here on Goodreads here so I can read it. Um, this Her books also, Mary Downing Hahn, her books are very, very short. And this one was no different. So yes, this book is Look For Me by Moonlight by Mary Downing Hahn. This book actually came... 97, really? I don't think this book came out in 97 because I was in high school then. I would have seen this book... Hmm... It feels like I would have seen it before, but I would have been like 15, wait, no, I wouldn't have been 15 on March 1st. I would have been 14. But anyway, um, I can't, I'd always pass this book and like, nah, nah, I don't know if I want to read it. I don't like the cover. But anyway, this does sound a bit like Twilight, but let me tell you, I think this book is a lot darker than Twilight. When the mysterious Vincent Morthanos arrives to stay at her father's inn, 16-year-old Cinda is mesmerized. His charm and sensitivity are irresistible. His attentiveness is constant. Cinda is sure she's in love. Daring to hope that the stranger shares her feelings, Cinda is innocently blind to who he really is or to the terrible danger of coming under his spell. Um, I love how the description leaves out that Vincent is, like, 30 years old. He's a 30-year-old man. But a quick little review on this book. Um, Cinda is 16. Her parents are divorced. Her dad was a... I think he was a professor at one point and ended up falling in love with his 18-year-old student. He then proceeded to divorce Cinda's mom, who she had later remarried, and their like, hopping all over the place, going London and to wherever, and, um, Cinda is now 16. Her mom and stepfather want to go to Italy, and they have Cinda go live with her dad, who she's not seen since she was very young. Her, she also has a half-brother named Todd, who's about five, and when she gets to this inn... Because her dad picks her up at the airport, and the weather's, like, really bad, so she's hanging out at the airport, like, did he forget me? He shows up, sorry, the roads are really bad, I had a hard time getting through. They stop at a diner, which is close to the inn that the dad runs. Um, it's almost, it almost feels set up like the Shining Hotel, that hardly anyone goes there because it's haunted, and the waitress that's serving them at the restaurant does, or the diner, says that, yes, this place is haunted. The lady that actually works for her dad at, you know, housekeeping and stuff at the inn says that she feels like a presence. There was a thing about a girl a long time ago, hundreds of years ago, that was killed. Her body washed up on the the sand by the, the ocean or wherever they're at. This is... I think this is in Maine. And because uh, Cinda's dad and stepmom run this little inn. This little comfy cozy inn. And they don't really, it's wintertime. They don't get a lot of visitors. And one night Cinda is staring out the window. And there's this car that drives by. And she's in her mind she's saying, oh please stop at the inn and stay here. So the guy, Vincent, shows up. He is 30 years old. He takes a liking to Cinda, and he sees her vulnerability and innocence, and he really, really 
hones in on that. Like, he takes advantage of her. He's like, hey, take a midnight stroll with me. And, like, he'll come down and have, like, after dinner and just sit and chat with the uh, Cinda's dad and stepmom. Her stepmom, who is also pregnant again. And, um, I guess whether Vincent must put them under some type of spell because they get really tired. And, um, I don't want to spoil it too much, but Cinda eventually learns that Vincent is a vampire. He is someone who's got a lot of money and he writes poetry and everything. And he goes to, like, kiss her or something, but then he, like, bites her neck and she doesn't realize it right away. But that's as far as I'm gonna go with the story. There's also a boy about Cinda's age named Will. He is a grandson of the housekeeper. He shows up and plays with, you know, Todd and everything like that. And Todd is one who's always scared of the wolf under the bed and always having nightmares and stuff like that. That's about, that's all I'm going to say about that. I will put this book up on Instagram so you can see it. I don't think it's available as an audiobook, unfortunately. Although I could be wrong. Mary Downey Hahn does have quite a few books on Audible, but I believe they are all like middle grade spooky scary ones, so... That being said, um, I hope everyone has a wonderful Monday. I look forward to the next episode and seeing Arnold from Different Strokes on there, so that'll be fun. So, alright. Like I've said before, if you enjoy the podcast, you can go to iTunes and leave a review and a rating, and uh, that way other people will get to know the podcast. If you guys want to send me an email uh, talking about the show and how much you love the show, you can do so at silverspoonspodcast at gmail.com. Or if you just want to follow along with the podcast and find out about upcoming episodes and fun trivia and stuff like that, and if you want a shout-out on the podcast, uh, just go to the Facebook page and like the Together, we're going to find our way on unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. Or go to Instagram and follow along there, too, at uh, Silver Spoons Podcast. So. Alright, guys. Have a great, great Monday. The sun is... Well, it was shining a bit ago. It's probably cloudy now. But, um, yeah. Alright. Bye-bye, everybody.